you know, I was the president of the crappy car club and I couldn't afford to have anyone fix them. And I was like, man, I got to get to work. So I stuck my thumb out trying to hitchhike. I had people honking their horns, screaming things. I had people telling me I was number one, but with the other finger. And everybody's like, Evan, what are you doing? Welcome back to Drive With Us, a podcast where we bring on a new guest every episode to talk about the crazy things they experience on the road, who they are as drivers, and how they became the driver they are today. I'm Bhavneet. And I'm Taranjeet. And today's driver is Evan Money, who's happily married to his bride and they remarry in a different state or country every year. He lives life to the full and believes enjoying life is a sacred act of worship and as a self-diagnosed ADD visionary, is able to create a life of harmony. And in today's episode, we talked to him about his driving experiences, where he shared with us how he had to hitchhike in a trash truck and the crazy directions he got when he was looking for a surf spot in Mexico. Welcome, Evan. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, super excited to, to ride with the sisters here. I'm so excited to hear all your stories because we asked you for a story and you provided us with a little snippet of the beginning and then you also mentioned you have more. So do you want to start off with sharing those stories with us? Oh, I've, I, you know, if you got two weeks, I've got plenty of stories. <laughs> you, you ha- as an ADD visionary, you guys have to keep me on track. So I am just going to stay in my lane, so to speak, and let you guys guide me because otherwise we're going to be going all over the place and there'll be no way to rate me in. And I I don't think you want a 48 hour podcast. So yeah, I don't think we have time for that, but maybe we can split it up into more than one. (laughs) We can do part one and two. I'm down for that. The first story that you did share with us was a trash truck one. Do you want to start with that one? Sure. So in the theme of you know, enjoying the ride, ride to the rhythm, all kinds of uh, old school driving. And for someone who's born and raised in Los Angeles, traffic and driving was just ingrained in my uh, growing up. And I always like to, to joke, and I was joking with you guys off air that, you know, Los Angeles were famous for two things. We invented traffic and we invented gangs. I mean, that's kind of the, the legacy of Los Angeles. But I believe as the a lot of people don't know that Los Angeles is Spanish for City of Angels. And oftentimes I'll share, people say, where are you from? I say, I'm from City of Angels. And they're like, where's that? And I'm like, oh, doesn't everybody know Los Angeles? So now I'm realizing that most people don't know that. So I like to think I want to be one of the angels in the City of Angels. But uh, during my uh, youth and younger days, my driving necessarily didn't reflect that. But to you guys' point of the trash truck story, uh, this is something that I learned it it didn't strike me as odd until later. And I was like, wow, that's kind of a really cool story. And wow, I can really incorporate some of the things I've learned about taking action and taking responsibility and really dialing things in. So I was in a situation where, and some of you listeners may be able to, to relate again, as this is all about driving is, you know, I was the president of the crappy car club and always had junky cars and it's just what it was what it was you know it was low income just get you have because in la back in those days there wasn't uber there wasn't any of this stuff you had to have a car that was just the way it was so find these junky cars and i couldn't afford to have anyone fix them so i had to learn how to work on cars it wasn't that i liked to do that uh, far from it but it was like well if i want it to run i got to figure out how to turn the wrench here so uh, it is now 3.55 in the afternoon. 
I have to be at work at this fancy four-star hotel at four and it's 3.55 and I'm about a 15, 20 minute drive away. And I'm like, doesn't look like I'm going to make it as my car is in literally a hundred different pieces spread all over the garage. And I'm up to my elbows, like in Greece. And I'd never figured out how to be a there's a like professional mechanics. They're really good at keeping their hands clean and their uniform clean and all this. Not me, man. I had just grease everywhere. So I scrubbed up real quick and I was like, man, I got to get to work. And I was a valet parker of all things at this four-star hotel. So I put on my little red vest and my bow tie and I'm like, all right, what do I have to work with? Okay. I could, there's no Uber. There's no like, oh, just check online for the bus schedules. You know, you had to actually have a physical schedule to figure out where the bus was. So I'm like, I have no clue any of this. If what can I do? Well, I got two legs. I can start walking. So I started walking to work and I was like, hey, they're depending on me to be there. What's the one thing I can do is I can start walking. And I said, well, I could get there faster if I actually hitchhiked. Now, that's something that most you guys sound way too young to know what that is. But hitchhiking was something where you would stick your thumb out. And in the 70s, when I grew up, you know, that was the thing. Hey, man, that was that was the first Uber was hitchhiking. And usually and it was always free. It was just like, hey, you know, stick your thumb out, get a ride. Woohoo. So I was like, all right, we'll harken back to those days. So I stuck my thumb out trying to hitchhike and I got all kinds of reactions. I mean, you I had people honking their horns, screaming things. I had people telling me I was number one, but with the other finger. If, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And I'm just like, wow, I didn't expect any of this stuff. And lo and behold, like out of my peripheral peripheral vision, this trash truck kind of just pulls up alongside of me. And I was like kind of shocked, like, whoa. And the guy looks at me and goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, man, I'm just trying to get to work. And I think there was this blue collar connection of like, he understood like, hey man, here's somebody like me that just wants to put an honest day's work for honest pay. And he's like, get in kid. And I was like, all right. So I jumped in the trash truck. Now, for those that have seen trash trucks, they're not really designed for two people. Uh, so there wasn't really a seat. So I was kind of hovering over the battery and that was an interesting experience. And so we're driving and we're making our way through traffic and getting through town. And we get to the corner where the hotel is at and the hotel is kind of inset a little bit from the corner. And the driver, you know, trying to be, I guess, sensitive to the situation is like, hey, do you just want to get out here? You know, and I was like, no way, man. I was like, let's pull right up in the front. So he pulls right, you know, drives around the corner, comes in, pulls right up with all the, you know, nice lights. I mean, it's a four star, nice hotel, you know, under the port cachet with all the stuff. And he pulls right in and everybody's looking around like, what the heck is the trash truck doing in the front of the hotel? <laughs> right? They're supposed to be in the back of the hotel. And I jump out and I'm like, thanks, man. He gives me like a high five and, and he rolls off and everybody's like, Evan, what are you doing? And I was like, I had to get to work, man. I had to do it. And so I always share that journey of like, you know what? It's all about saying, hey, instead of trying to blame something else, well, I could call in sick. I got my car's broken down. I can't make it to work. I was like, you know what? I need to take full responsibility here. What can I do? Hey, I got two legs that work. Hey, I can start walking. Hey, I can start hitchhiking. And lo and behold, a, a trash truck picks me up. And it really is a, a tale of that mentality of saying, hey, I'm responsible and I can take action and I can make something happen. And even though you don't know how it's going to work out, when you start taking action, when you take that responsibility, I believe God will bring things along to help you in your journey if you're committed. But if you're just going to 
I didn't sit home in my apartment waiting for the trash truck to pull up. I actually had to get out on the street, start walking, you know, stick my thumb out, whatever. And I just, again, share that with people all the time. But just, man, what do you have to work with? What can you do instead of, again, this is a perfect analogy for the, the time we're in. And I don't know, again, how backed up you guys are on shows and when this is going to air. But right now we're kind of in this COVID quandary you know, of the pandemic of people going, well, you know, when's it going to get back to normal? What's going to happen? What are we going to do? And so I share with people all the time, well, what do you have to work with? What can I do? And you two amazing sisters are a perfect example. Hey, we got technology. Hey, we got Squadcast. Hey, we can do a podcast. Hey, we can put some great content out. So it's all about saying, what do I have to work with instead of complaining about what's around? I mean, that's that's all there is. It's like I hear people all the time want to complain about the weather and complain about traffic. And your guys' story that you shared with me is perfect. Hey, I can complain about an hour and a half commute one way, three hours total. Or I can say, gosh, what could we do with this drive time? Gosh, if people experience the same thing. Which, hey, let's do a podcast, right? It's like, what do we have to work with? So the trash truck story is a, a, a perfect journey, full circle of all of that. It's such a great way to start this episode. And it gives such a great message to others who are in similar situations. Just hearing when you talked about getting in the trash truck and hitchhiking, <laughs> I feel like in today's time, people are more skeptical of hitchhiking because I guess they're less trusting of other people. So I don't know how well that would work today. No, it would be interesting. I mean, if I saw a guy in a work uniform on the side of the road hitchhiking, I mean, I'd be the first person to stop. And obviously I'd look and say, hey, is this dude on drugs? What's going on? What's happening? But, you know, if there's someone who's really trying to make it happen, whether it be hitchhiking, whether it be, for example, I'll get uh, as someone who has multiple companies and we have different divisions and I have a film finance division or I have a startup division where we do startup funding for companies. And I get all kinds of proposals and I get the slick polished ones and I get the ones that are spelled wrong and are clueless. And it's, and I kind of look at it and I, uh, I'll talk to people. And if I can sense that somebody has a heart for it, that they really want it, I'm more interested in that than I'm interested in the slick proposal. And so, again, going back to today's world, yeah, if there's a dude hitchhiking, you know, and I pull up and I see that he's, you know, clean cut and he's just trying to get somewhere and make it happen. I'd be the first one to pick him up. That's for sure. I feel like I would, I guess because we're also girls and like there's also that, I guess, difference when you're like more skeptical because you're just worried. I don't know. Maybe it's just the way we are raised. I feel like I am always thinking like, what if it's that one wrong person that gets in the car? Well, we could look at it, you know, like if you're picking up the mom, you know, with the with the baby, right? Trying to get somewhere, uh, you know, again, we there's a little common sense as far as that. But to me, it's all about the intention, right? Like who's... Who's this person? Are they, you know, again, they trying to pull something on me or is it just a legitimate like, hey, I can give this person a helping hand and, and give them a ride somewhere. But that also is uh, not, again, specifically, but also like, hey, you know what, what's what's the intention that people are coming at me with? For example, driving, right? It's like you could tell the intention of people by the way that they drive. Like, is this guy just cutting me off to cut me off or does this guy really need to get in, right? And it's like, oh yeah, go ahead, I'll let you in. So to me, it's like looking at those people and saying, hey, I'm not gonna judge by the outside. I kind of wanna see this person's heart and their character. And it's like, hey, is this someone that I'm willing to help versus just looking at the circumstance and then then turning away? But that would be a whole nother, uh, I think lifelong discussion as far as doing that. So. No, you guys, no, no guilt trip. You guys don't have to pick up any hitchhikers. You don't want to, but I'm sure there's plenty of people that you can help in different ways. 
So when you were working on your cars, did you expect to not finish in time for work when you opened up your car? Oh, yeah, that was always, you know, that was the trend. It was always I would finish just in time to get to work. And this was the day where it didn't happen. <laughs> and so it was like, okay. Normally I'm always was always able to pull it off. And this time was the first time I was face to face with, oh wow, I couldn't get the car fixed. Oh, what do I do now? So yeah, that was that was the first time for that one. Did you actually learn a I guess car mechanical skill while you were working on your cars through that journey or it never really became oh yeah but yeah but it wasn't it it was all forced it was never enjoyment it was just tedious and uh now i am so blessed to where i welcome uh someone else turning the wrench and someone else working on my car and it was so exciting for me with covid it was kind of interesting we had one of our cars uh, needed new tires. And it was like, yeah, you know, we're not really driving that much. We'll get to it later and later. And finally, um, go outside and the tire's flat. And it's like, well, time to get new tires. And so I was dreading like, oh, man, I got to drive down to the tire place. I got to sit there. I got to get an Uber back, you know, da, 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 da. So I went online and lo and behold, they had this mobile service where I could get, Goodyear has this like giant van where they come to your house with them, they have the machines in the van to balance the tire, to take the tire on and off the rim. And so I had the full service done at my house. It was so exciting. This kid pulls up, got the wheels off, switches everything out. I just took a walk from the dog, came back and I had brand new tires. And I was like, hey, I'm liking this. This is, this is a benefit of COVID. Like, yeah, bring the service to me. This is cool. Yeah, that only works if you don't live in a small town because I tried to use that service and they don't go here. So <laughs> yeah, we're we're kind of remote where we're at. So I was I was surprised too that they'd come out, but he came and I was like, woohoo! That's perfect case scenario. <laughs> what other stories do you have for us? I can't wait to hear them all. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I'll give you one other one that I think you guys might enjoy, and that is um, thinking back to my crazy driving days and looking back like, wow, what was my mindset then? Kind of what was I thinking? But I remember there was a time when I I went to, a lot of my friends went to prestigious universities, uh, probably like you two girls did. And I chose to go to Surf Bum University. And people are like, oh, what school is that? I'm like, oh, no, it's not a school. It's just I went surfing while all my friends were in school. So <laughs> I, was, I was, yeah, I was in Surf Bum University, just, just surfing and hanging out and working. And I got a tip on a hot surf spot in Mexico. So in Los Angeles, you could get to the border of Mexico in about two and a half-ish hours, depending on traffic. And right there in San Diego to Baja, California. And there are some great surfing spots all along Baja, California. And so I got word on this hot surf spot. And again, this is going into Mexico in a foreign country, this is no passport. You don't have any of that stuff. You just sh- showed your driver's license at the border and they let you through. Um, in fact, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was, yeah, this is back when you could just cross whatever, no problem. To get in, a lot of times to get in, to get into Mexico, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even stop. It was just free flow traffic. You could just drive right in. They'll just wave you through. There was no stopping. Who are you? Just zoom, zoom right in. On the way what about- out. Yeah, yeah, the way, yeah, the way back in, then it's a little longer and all that stuff. But but here's my directions for this awesome surf spot. Okay, they go. I go, well, where is it? They said, okay, well, you want to go past Ensenada a little ways, and then there'll be a ditch and a Takati sign, and turn right there. And I was like, okay. 
I didn't ask any questions. There's no maps. There's no phone maps on an iPhone. We, there were no cell phones. All I had to go on was there's a ditch and a Takati sign and a little bit past Ensenada. So we got in my buddy's truck, rolled down to Mexico, and we lost track of time. And so now it's at night. We're at nighttime. It is pitch dark. Okay. So there's, you know, you guys obviously in a populated area, you know, DC, it's like, you know, there's always lights and always stuff, but this is Mexico dark, pitch dark. And we're just kind of driving, not knowing what the heck's going on. And all of a sudden, look, you know, we're past Ensenada and all of a sudden we're like, look, there's a Takati sign. And there's, for those who've ever been to Mexico in that area, there are a thousand Takati signs every square mile. So it was it wasn't like <laughs> something that stood out. It was like, that's the only sign there was a Takati sign. So, and there happened to be this big ditch. And I'm like, oh, looks good to us. Turn right. And so we turn right. And the buddies that I were with, none of us spoke Spanish. And so we turn right. We're driving down this dirt road. And we find, we knocked on somebody's little hut because we weren't sure we're going the right way. And it's pitch dark. They don't speak English. We don't speak Spanish. We're trying to like make pictures of waves with our hands. You know, like describe surfing. Oh, yeah, CC, CC. And then they just point. And we just kept driving. And lo and behold, we stopped and uh, we were kind of on this, like a little cliff. We could hear the water. So we, were, we were, knew we were close. And that's where we camped out. And I started thinking, I was like, man, would I, would I let my son, who's now going to be 17, I'm like, would I let my son go to Mexico with directions like that? I was like, heck no. I was like, man, what was I thinking? And I, I thought about my mindset. My mindset really was of there was no alternative. It was just, hey, we're going to find this place. And if you hearken back, I'm a big believer. Uh, I'm a big person of faith. I'm not religious at all, but I'm a big person of faith. And if you look back in the ancient Greek scriptures, there is great stories, some great stories. And a lot of times, you know, when Jesus is talking, it can get confusing because you're like, well, what is he talking about? And I remember my great mentor told me one time, he said, Evan, the Bible doesn't mean what it says. And I was like, isn't that the truth? And he says, it means a lot more. I was like, oh, yeah. And so I remember in the ancient Greek scriptures, Jesus was quoted as saying, you know, be perfect like myself and my father are perfect. And I was like, that is the dumbest thing ever. Of course, he's perfect. He's Jesus. I mean, what about me? Can, can you give me some help? But what I realized is through the translations, because you have to realize you have Jewish men writing in a foreign language, Greek, and they're still thinking in Hebrew, but writing in Greek, trying to get to this audience. And now we're translating that into English. It's like, man, you got all these different translations. But what the word perfect meant, if you translate it correctly, it means all in. So it doesn't mean perfect like perfection. It means all in. So are you all in or not? Are you committed or not? So like for me with my marriage, I'm all in. My bride and I get remarried in a different state or country every year. I've been married 26 times. Woohoo! And that includes 26 honeymoons. Yes. So <laughs> with our marriage, I'm all in. Okay. And so I start thinking about this mindset when I'm driving, like, okay, why in the heck would I go to Mexico with these lame directions and at night? But I was all in. I was like, hey, we are going to go find this place one way or the other. We're going to go find this place. I'm all in. Now, part of that was just, you know, my prefrontal cortex wasn't fully developed because in males, it doesn't fully develop for you till you're 25. And I'm in my early 20s. So part of it was that. But the other part was just like, hey, we're going to make this happen. This is real faith. 
And so I look now at the time when with this COVID and I look at me as a father, I look at me with, with kids and responsibilities and businesses and all this stuff. And it's so easy to, to shrink back in fear and go, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I was like, well, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Am I all in or not? You know, do I want to live in faith or do I want to live in fear? And especially, you know, if you want to, I mean, I think people are finally realizing it. Even like hardcore people like my bride's parents who watch the news 24-7, they're like, I'm not watching the news anymore. It just, you know, it's just too much negative stuff, too much craziness. I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, hey, you don't need a steady diet. Yeah, you, you may want to be informed, but you don't need to constantly bombard yourself with this because it's so easy to fall into that fear mindset. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And what if this? And what if that? And, uh, uh, uh. and what I've discovered about fear is that the only way you can be in fear is if you're thinking about the future. That's the only way you can be afraid is you, you have to be thinking about the future. And it was like, oh, wow. And then the only way you can live in regret and despair and, and be all that is to be thinking about the past. And so what the, the scriptures teach us and what I've discovered, and also other religions talk about it too, is about, hey, you want to be right here, right now. How can you be fully present? You know, Chuck Norris, one of the famous action adventure heroes, of, you know, back in the day, he had a great saying of what it makes sure that whatever you're doing is exactly what you're doing at that time, which in other words is like, hey, let's live right here, right now. So instead of me thinking about, oh, yeah, well, what's going to be for dinner? And I got to get this email. I got to do this. It's like, hey, how can I be here for Taranjeet and Bobby and really dial into this show and really share some great stories? How can I stare at my screen and this microphone and pretend I'm talking to these two amazing women with these great ideas about a podcast and focus in on being right here right now? Because if I'm in the now, I can't be scared and I can't have regret and all this despair stuff. So it's really about saying, all right, how can I be all in and how can I focus on being right here right now, even in the midst of pandemic and COVID and all this nonsense? It's like, okay, what can I be doing right now? And so hearkening back to that ditch in a Takati sign in pitch black Mexico and living to tell the tale. And then the, the worst part is after that adventure, it was the worst surf ever. So we didn't even, go, <laughs> we, didn't even get, we went somewhere else to go surfing that secret spot. It wasn't, it wasn't happening when we got there. So it was like, oh man, but that's just another fun journey for you guys. I just want to say that your directions that you got sound like every single directions that an Indian person will give us. That's exactly <laughs> how they give directions. They're like go straight and then, you know, turn right at that tree and then, you know, go straight and then make a left and then they'll be there. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's it. it that, there you go. That's I, uh, it's it from another uh, Indian culture. My son and I early in my, before I had kids early in my marriage, I considered about creating a bill for legislator to ban silverware. Because I was like, man, why can't we just eat with our hands all the time? We had a great meal with some friends that we met at church. Uh, they just moved here from India like four months ago and just got here. And then COVID hit. Now it's like, oh, my gosh. And they were going to have all their family come and visit, but they couldn't come and all this stuff. But we had a great meal at their house. And my bride was like, so you would normally eat this with your hands if we weren't here. They're like, exactly. And she's like, oh, man, my son. So me and my son are like, full on into the culture of just like, forget the silverware. Let's just use our hands. It's so much better. So I'm with you on the directions and I'm with you on just eating with your hands. So I love the Indian culture. 
Yeah, we tend to eat a lot more foods with our hands. And so I feel really awkward when I go to like a restaurant or something. It's like, what are all these forks and knives for? I'm with you. I'm just like, man, can't, yeah, just, it's so much easier. It's just like, ah, this is, this is the tools that God gave us, right? We don't need any of this nonsense. So I'm with you. You have been to so many different places. So this next question is out of all the places that you've been or like where you are in LA right now, are there any stereotypes of the drivers that are in that area? Yeah, I would say the it's interesting because you see every stereotype here in Los Angeles because Los Angeles is so diverse. So I've got two stereotype stories for you. So my ADDness, I'm writing down my second story. Um, <laughs> okay, but in LA, like you can go on the freeway and you can just watch and be like, oh, yep, there's the burnout executive. Okay, there's the road rage. Okay, got it. Yep. And then there's the, okay, the person with the, you know, not putting it down, but he's got the, um, got the robe on and he's got the incense going and he's kind of like meditating in his car and driving with his knees, right? And doing that kind of thing. You've got, I mean, every possible stereotype, you know, you've got the frazzled mom yelling at the kids. You've got, it, it is all there on the Los Angeles freeways. So in every country, every culture, everything, you can see in a 15 minute drive in Los Angeles. So that's, I think, one unique part about this town is you can get it, get it all on the 405 freeway in about 15 minutes and just see everyone. And then as far as, you know, stereotypicals and all that stuff, I'll share another Mexico journey. So as myself and my bride and I, we kind of grew up and, you know, going to Tijuana, going to Baja, California, and that's really the only Mexico that we were exposed to. And that part of Mexico is just dirt. It is just dirt, desert. And I remember going early on, early adopter, going surfing to Cabo San Lucas before it was developed, before they had golf courses, before they brought in all these nice resorts. And that too is just dirt, desert, just bleh. So we took our kids a couple years back, maybe three or four years ago, we took them to the other side of Mexico to a place called Playa del Carmen. And it was recommended by a friend. And we're like, okay, we'll go. And we were totally ignorant. We had no clue. And so we're prepping our kids for the Mexico that we knew. Okay. So as far as driving, especially like, hey, you know, and my son's totally into cars. I was like, oh, my, I told my son, oh, there's going to be all these crazy junky cars and just full of rust and just tell them about all the different stuff. So we get to Playa del Carmen and we're driving. And it was the total opposite experience I've ever had. It was lush. It was green. There were rainforests. And every car on the road was nice. And my son is looking at me. He's like, Dad, where's all the junky cars? Where's this Mexico that you keep telling us about? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never seen anything like this. And so we had this kind of great awakening of like, you know what? There's a lot more, a lot more of Mexico that I haven't seen than I have seen. And so it was just this great awakening to like, whoa, wait a minute. There's a whole different side and a whole different, you know, paved roads everywhere we went. And I was like, wow, what a concept. So that was a big learning experience for me of like, hey, you know what? There's multiple sides to a lot of these different cultures. So Mexico was that Playa del Carmen, that stretch of Mexico is spectacular. Well, I guess when you if you think of like the U.S. as a whole, too. If you go to a different part, you'll see a different type of experience, like roads and stuff. So it translates to Mexico, too. But 
I guess you're expecting to see what you already saw, and then you went to a different part, and you're like, whoa. Yeah, it was eye-opener for sure. And then talk about the different parts of the U.S. Like, for you guys, as it's middle of summer, sticky Maryland, I'll just share from an L.A. perspective. So whenever our family encounters humidity, because there's no humidity here on the West Coast, when we encounter humidity, that means we're on vacation. So it is so interesting <laughs> where, where, again, for people to live in that climate is just like, oh, and then people come to LA and they're like, oh man, it's so nice here. I can breathe. Yeah. It's, so awesome. it's just like, oh dude, no, we love, I want to go back to where it's humid, man. This is so nice. So a uh, little role reversal there is fun. Well, you can have all the humidity you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like we went to Arizona. It's like, it's a hundred degrees. I'm like, it's so nice. <laughs> It's dry. This is great. Check out my hair. It's doing great things. I love it. <laughs> so now that we've heard some of your crazy stories, let's go into what type of driver you are. When given the option, would you rather choose to be the driver or the passenger? <sighs> well, full disclosure, I'm still overcoming motion sickness. So at this stage in life, I much prefer now to be driven and having a tour guide. I love that. However, the motion sickness forces me to be the driver because it's like, I don't want to throw up on your car, so I'm going to have to drive. But at this stage, I much prefer having being driven because then I can focus my energy on other places. I can focus it on thinking. I can focus it on my bride or my kids and not having to worry about uh, the driving and those kind of things. So I've released control in that area. I, I'm getting better um, in certain vehicles, certain things. I can really just kind of let go and be like, oh, this is so nice just to be like, okay, after we're about getting there. But it's interesting. I remember in my, before the, actually when the kids were pretty young, when, so my bride and I, just to give the listeners a, a taste, we have been living the home office, homeschool lifestyle for the last 15 years. So when COVID hit, everybody's freaking out. Oh my gosh, I gotta stay home. Oh my gosh, I gotta homeschool my kids. Oh my gosh. And I get it, it's a big shift, but we've been living this lifestyle 15 years. Nothing nothing changed for us. The only thing changed was we, you know, we couldn't go to Disneyland and go to some other cool fun spots, but our lifestyle didn't change. This is how we live. Homeschool, home office, this is how we roll. So, so you're doing great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I remember, I remember when we I finally you know, again, about 15 years ago, finally, like went all in and said, you know what, I'm done with getting fancy offices and trying to do all this stuff. I'm just going to be at home. And after being at home for a year, a little bit, all of a sudden I started getting on the freeway and started driving. And girls, I have to tell you, I was like, wow, I lost my edge. Like you guys, you know, probably with your commutes, you already understand like, okay, I need to be at this lane at this time. I need to be over here. This is this moves faster here at this time. Ooh, I can cheat this little part here. Da, da, da. I had every inch of the four or five memorized at what time, where to be, where to put. You know, I was, it's interesting too that the junkier cars I had, I discovered that more people made way for me. So if I were just, 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 you know, without signaling, just turn, people get out of my way because they saw this junky car and they're like, oh, this guy probably doesn't have insurance. I better get out of his way. As as my bride and I changed our mindsets and our actions and our attitudes, and we started creating more wealth, and I started getting nicer cars, 
all of a sudden it was like, oh, wait a minute. Now I'm looking out for those people with junky cars and I'm the one driving them more defensively. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait. So I remember on the freeway, I was just, I remember the time I looked at my bride. I'm like, I lost my edge. You know, I have to look three times now where before I'd just be like, damn, 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 damn. Now I'm just like, oh, wait, can I get over? Oh, wait, oh, oh, oh. And I'm like, you know what? So it was a very interesting shift uh, to go from that, uh, I would say, aggressive, just, hey, you know, everybody's in my way mentality to like, you know what? There's more people on the road than me. And, you know, a little caution works a little bit. And so I've definitely shifted my driving mentality for sure. I would say that people who have nicer cars, I feel like you would want to be more careful with it because it's more expensive. And then if you have like a junk car, you're like, oh, whatever. If something happens, it's okay. Exactly. But but here it seems to be that no matter what vehicle you have, you have to watch out because they're going to drive like crazy maniacs. <laughs> well, yeah, I've I've seen it both sides. And again, in LA, we we kind of get it all. But I'm really appreciating the newest car that we got has kind of the self driving, it's like semi self driving, I guess. Like you can set it on the freeway and it'll steer for you and brake for you and do all that. And so I'm fascinated to see that ramp up because the concept of the car doing the driving for you, that's like, oh, this is pretty cool. It's pretty cool, but it's like at the same time, I'm kind of wary of that. And plus, I I love driving, so it's like no, <laughs> I'll drive. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I have, and I've I've discovered this about myself, and kind of seen both sides and worked through it, and still, again, growing through this. But big time for me is that destination disease of wanting to get there. Of like, okay, we'll have fun as soon as we get there. So let's hurry up and get there. And the whole liking driving and joy of driving. I'm a car guy. I have a lot of full-size Hot Wheels, you know, my car collection that I like to cruise around. But, you know, there's something to me about driving where when I get a, when I, when I'm driving and the lights are all green, I'm loving it. But when I get a red light or a yellow light and I have to stop and I feel like I'm being controlled, it's like, oh man, God, ah. so, um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting as far as lo loving to drive and that the journey versus the destination. So I'm definitely growing in that area to be like, hey, you know what? If I do have to stop at this red light, I can look around and appreciate some of this nice stuff and do this and do this instead of getting miffed that the light is controlling me and impeding my progress. So I'm, I'm still wrestling with that destination disease and um, the driving side. But uh, yeah, but for me, again, it's much more, I much, I much more enjoy the drive when there's no stop signs and all green lights. <laughs> I've recently seen people ever since we've come out of lockdown that no one really listens to the red light anymore. I've seen a bunch of cars just go right through it. Yeah, I've seen that too. Where a lot of people are just like, whatever. And it's like, oh, wow. Okay, that's that's one way to do it. But I get it because it's that, hey, we're being controlled. And I was on another podcast earlier today where this concept of, I think more people wouldn't be so opposed to the mask if there were some kind of voting process or, hey, are we going to vote for masks or not masks, but rather than having it dictated to us. So I can see that translating on the road of like, well, you can make me wear a mask, but you can't make me stop at the red light. So I, I can see a lot of that frustration boiling over. So again, more, more reason to, uh, again, look twice before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you kind of mentioned a little bit about this, but how would you describe 
the type of driver that you are? And would you say that your family and friends would describe your driving in the same way? Ah, that's a good question. I'll tell you what the role that I enjoy the most is there's, you know, there's two types of people. There's the, you know, the travel agent or the tour guide. And so a travel agent is someone who sends people to places that they've never been. Like, oh, you'll love it. It's nice. Where a tour guide is someone who's actually been through it, knows the terrain, knows the the people, knows the journey, and it's like, hey, I've been down this road 500 times. Let me show you what I love about it. So uh, this is an indirect answer to your question, but I, I love playing the tour guide. So I love driving people around and showing them the most beautiful places in the city where we live. I love saying, hey, I've really enjoyed this. Excuse me. You're going to love this too. And understanding that, hey, you know what? I may need to slow down a little bit so they could enjoy the process instead of hurrying up, getting to one spot to the other or being sensitive to like what I think is really beautiful. They may think something else is really beautiful and letting them enjoy that part of it. So for me, there's that tour guide driver of wanting to share all the blessings and all the beauty that I've been exposed to and showing other people that. So that is, uh, for lack of a better term, that is the, uh, the best way to describe my type of driving now is the tour guide. That's a great way to describe it. I also enjoy doing that too, where I like showing people and taking them places and being like, like, this is what I've experienced and like, let them experience the same thing. There you go. I like it. Speaking of other drivers on the road, what would you say is your biggest pet peeve of driving? No, just what I talked about earlier, the, uh, I've learned through uh, actually the Enneagram, which has different iterations and different interpretations and People can get really weird with it, um, but just at, at the at its basic level, there's some really good lessons about self growth and self love in there. And what I learned from studying the Enneagram is that one of my triggers, I used to think I was a control person. I used to think like, oh, I have to have control, and I was like, well, no, that doesn't. Because there's times I really don't want control, and I realized that one of my triggers is when I feel I feel I get triggered when I feel like someone or something is controlling me. So that's why I get frustrated when I get, you know, the light turns yellow and red for me. And I, cause I feel like I'm being controlled. Like, Hey, I'm wanting to go here and the lights turning red and yellow. So now I have to stop. So I'm, I feel controlled. So that's one of my pet peeves of like, Hey, you know, and there's different movies where they've done it a bunch of times, but I would love to have that button to like, let's make all the lights green and let's go. It's like, woohoo. So my biggest pet peeve is that yellow and red light stopping me from where I want to go. Because again, it, it gives me that trigger of I'm being controlled rather than I'm in control because I'm driving and I'm, I got the wheel, right? So I'm all about the gas pedal and not a big fan of the brake pedal. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say that you've ever experienced road rage? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. And again, going back to uh, really those were, um, you know, whenever there's anger, I've discovered there's fear. And that's the real trigger. Anybody's angry, that means there's fear. And so when I hearken back to my road rage and my anger, it all really, for me, stemmed back to all these old father-son issues that I never wanted to deal with. And I do a whole talk on ROF. So you guys as smart young ladies living in the DC metro area and all that is, you know, you're, you're familiar with ROI, return on investment. Uh, but I do a, a whole talk in a series on ROF, which is return on forgiveness. 
And magically, it just so happened the year I finally decided to forgive my dad after not talking to him for close to 15 years, I ended up tripling my income. And it's no accident because I was finally able to, you know, get this anchor of unforgiveness off my back and was able to finally open my eyes to new opportunities and be able to move faster and get to places. So when I finally, again, chose the return on forgiveness, uh, instantly my anger dissipated in so many different areas and the road rage went away in so many areas because it was like, oh, that's where it's, you know, kind of leaking out to. But the real issue was me just, again, coming face to face with me wanting to hold on to the resentment because, oh, my dad did me wrong and this and this and finally just forgiving him and haven't had road rage since. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know if it's just Maryland area or if it's like other areas too, but I feel like I see that way more often. Even if like the person did something wrong themselves, they still get mad at the other driver. Of course, of course, because that's the default, right? It's I want to blame. I want to make it about somebody else. Can't be my fault, right? It's always somebody else's because it's just so much easier to blame than it is to take responsibility. So Going back to my trash truck story, right? I could kick my car and blame it. Oh, if it wasn't for this piece of junk car. And it was like, well, no, the responsibility is on me. I bought the piece of junk car. I know it was a piece of junk. I know it's not reliable. So it's, uh, but yeah, that's just so much easier to blame someone else or something else than to take that full responsibility. Well, now that we know what kind of driver you are, let's go back to how it all started. How would you describe your first time driving experience and who was it with? First time driving was, I remember my mom teaching me how to drive and that was very interesting. She was definitely a defensive driver. So I remember that it's, it was so long ago. I remember one thing I do, I just, whatever we, where I learned to drive was a very rural area and there weren't any real street lights around. So I remember telling her, I enjoyed driving at night because the lights, I could see the lights of the cars. So it, would, it was much easier to know if, okay, can I turn right or turn left and doing all that. And somehow I learned to drive on a stick, which I'm teaching my son now how to drive a stick, but I think it's much easier to learn to drive first and learn how to drive on a stick. But I'm like, man, how did I learn how to drive and drive a stick at the same time? But I remember those times with my mom teaching me how to drive and I'm just like, wow, okay, she survived. All right. <laughs> You said you enjoy driving at night. I feel like driving at night takes more effort and is way more difficult than driving in the daylight. Yeah, well, it, it just depends. So where, where we live now, again, is very rural, very open. So at nighttime, you, you know when the lights, you know, you see the headlights, you know something's coming. But yeah, it's uh, teach his own. But yeah, when it's big, bright city, super bright at night, then that can be a little different. But I, in the rural side, I, I love just being able to know like, okay, I see the light coming. Okay, got it. So, but that's just. Yeah, well, we live in a small town. So I, and I've had numerous accidents with deer. So I feel like I just get scared in the nighttime. Like a deer is going to pop out any second now. She's a deer uh, magnet. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's the other West Coast thing. Like, we see a deer, we get all excited. Oh, it's a deer! Oh, my God. <laughs> you guys out there, it's like, man, there's too many of these things. Get rid of them. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's really interesting. I didn't think anyone would ever be happy to see deer. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, out here, it's the biggest thing. Like, oh, we, we saw it. I remember we went to uh, Colorado Springs, and we were taking a little hike, and there were a couple of deers in the woods. My bride and I were getting all excited. Like, we saw a deer. It's awesome. <laughs> Right. But you guys are just like, they're rodents. Get rid of them. Come on, stay away. 
until they hit your car, then you're like not so cute anymore. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> How would you describe your driving test experience? Were you able to get your license on the first go? Oh, you're hearkening way back. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I did. I really, I really don't remember my driving test. I really don't. That was kind of all the blur back then. Yeah, I know for some people that's kind of a big, a big to do. I, I will share one fun story uh, since I don't have one there. I'll, I'll channel my bride here. So my bride's dad got her on her thirteenth birthday. She was thirteen or fourteen. Bought her a motorcycle, and. The idea was when they went up to their cabin, they, they lived here in Los Angeles as well. When they would go up to their cabin, he could, she could drive her brother around and that way her parents could just relax instead of, oh, drive me over to the pool, drive me over here, drive me over there. So she's 14, buys her this motorcycle and it's an enduro motorcycle. That means it's like an off-road bike, but you can drive it on the street. So it's kind of got like the knobby tires and looks a little like an off-road bike. And so he's trying to show her the clutch and do all this stuff. So in this big parking lot, Shows her a little bit and then stands back and like, this is her first time on a motorcycle. <laughs> so she sits down, she pops the clutch, the bike does a wheelie, flips over and crashes on the side and, and breaks the, the, the taillight, the mirror and... Oh my God. And her dad walks over and goes, get in the car, lesson's done. <laughs> that was like her first motorcycle lesson. And then he took her up to the cabin that weekend and took her up to the cul-de-sac. He said, don't come home until you figure it out. Oh, <laughs> her motorcycle lesson. So we tell the kids those stories all the time. But no, sadly, I do not have a great driving lesson story for you. So I will give you my bride's motorcycle one. And for anybody that's a fan of Rio, the movie, uh, the animated cartoon, there's a great scene in there where one of the, the heroes of the film was, you know, it was hilarious because the, the tourist came in. He was the real local native guy. And she's like, Tuleo, do you know how to ride a motorcycle? He's like, oh, you insult me. Of course I know how to ride a motorcycle. And he does the same thing my bride did. Did a wheelie, crashed it. <laughs> and then and she grabbed it and took over. It was hilarious. So uh, a little fun ADD moment there for you. Did she ever go back on and learn to drive the motorcycle? Oh, yeah. She learned to drive the motorcycle. She got it. She dialed in and she made it happen. So you did mention that your son is around driving age, how was teaching him to drive? Ah, uh, I did this purposely. I wanted to make it a slow roll. So I started teaching him to drive when he was 14. And we would just go around the block, take it real slow, uh, rather than this, okay, you're 16, start driving. Because I didn't, I couldn't handle that. So since he's been 14, we've just been driving around the block, driving the different cars, feeling, okay, how does my bride's car feel? How does this car feel? Of course, he likes all my sports cars, so he wants to drive my stuff. And so, yeah, so for the last three years, we've just been driving around, driving around. And then once he finally understood, we told him this from the beginning, was like, hey, we're not going to buy you a car. You're going to have to buy your own car. You're welcome to use our cars, but you have to pay for your insurance. So once he finally like awoken to how much that costs and what that's going to require, he kind of got disenfranchised on driving of like, oh, well, you know, I can't afford it, so forget it, right? I'm like, okay, that's fine. And I remember when I got one of my newest cars, and there's a whole ROF story about that that I, I would love to be able to share with you now, but don't have the time to do it proper justice. But it was a ROF, Return on Forgiveness journey. And my return for forgiving someone that I had been holding a grudge on for about 10 years was that person 
less than eight hours after I chose to forgive them, not to their face, but just to myself internally of like, okay, I'm done being mad at this person. Less than eight hours after I chose to forgive that person, they texted me out of the blue, hadn't heard from him in years. And they said, hey, I've got a car for you. And it's this beautiful Hot Wheels flame, like $30,000 paint job, amazing custom Mustang, you know, has the big roar, you know, roar, 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 roar. it's got the beautiful flame job on it. And so I showed my son, like, check out what I'm getting. And he was like, oh, cool. And, but that was about it. And I, it, it was still surreal to me because this guy was so flaky in the past. I didn't believe it was going to happen until the car actually showed up off the truck. And I pulled it up off the truck, started it up. And within 30 seconds, my son comes bolting out of the house, looking at this cool Mustang and goes, I'm ready to get my permit now, dad. <laughs> that was a, a, a fun car journey for him. So now with COVID, what's been fascinating is he hasn't been able to get his permit because the DMV shut down. So He's kind of in this quandary and every, you know, 15 and a half year old, the 16, 17 year olds kind of stuck. If you think about it, right. They can't get a permit. They can't get a license. They can't get anything. They're kind of in this no man's land. So he's having a bit of a rough time because he did the safety course and did all this stuff and he's ready to go do it. And there's no DMV. It's like, what? Well, now that he's motivated to do it and now it's like, well, <laughs> now you have to wait. <laughs> yep, it's like, ah. <laughs> yeah, our brother is... 18 now he recently took his test last year and our state has gotten rid of the parallel parking so it's gotten so easy it's literally just drive on the road and forward park or and reverse park no parallel parking anymore so i feel like everyone can just get the license wow i've never heard of that i mean my buddies showed me this cool tesla where but a bunch of other cars have it too now where you push the button the car parks for you so it's like okay who needs to know to parallel park when you can push the button yeah, I don't think I would trust the button. <laughs> but speaking of parallel parking, do you think that's something that should be required on a test or it's fine that they're getting rid of it? Well, for some living in Los Angeles and in the beach cities, you know, it's well, you know, I could see it both ways. But selfishly, it helps because there's more parking now because people can't parallel park. It's like, I'm not going to park there. It's like, oh, cool, I can park there. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those, it, if you can't park, too bad for you. So, no, I don't I don't see it as being a big deal of not putting on the test. It's just uh, more spaces for those that know how to do it. We have a bonus question for you. Woo-hoo! We like to end on this note. If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? One new driving law. Wow. You know what? The first thing that pops in my head as a free enterpriser and someone who is all about less government instead of more government is I would want to make less laws. (laughs) I would want to. uh, Yeah. I want to make it as much freedom as possible. So I would be looking to take laws away. But the one thing I would change, though, I I will tell you this. This is the other thing that came up for me, is I would make it where whether it's drunk driving, whether it's driving while you're on marijuana or whatever, any kind of substance, you know, something like that, where it's an automatic, hey, you're not driving for five years. And we're talking like a $50,000 fine, some astronomical. I would, again, 
10x those fines, those time periods, because obviously people are incapable of taking responsibility in those areas. And so, especially in today's world where it's like, hey, look, you got Uber now, you can take the bus, you can do this, you can do that. Yeah, there's no room for driving intoxicated. So I think those fines need to be tenfold and penalty needs to be tenfold. So that would be it for me. Oh, I agree with that. I think it would make it, I guess people would be more likely to not do it again if they had to pay so much and had to like go through so much amount of time before they could actually go back to driving again. Exactly. Or we could even do a thing where, you know, you got to, instead of community service, you got to, you got to work for three months or six months in the DMV. And it's like, oh, no, don't make me do that. Right. Like something like that, where it'd just be like, oh my gosh, I can't handle it. Yeah. Oh, that would be the perfect, <laughs> perfect yes, punishment. That, that would be justice, right? there there we go we can end on that high note love that do you have any final thoughts or any tips you would like to give other drivers yes 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 so other than our our great uh, law change there i would just let any driver know that in whether it's driving your car driving your life driving your relationships driving your parenting is that in order for things to improve, you need to improve. In order for things to change, you need to change. In order for things to get better, you need to get better. And for me personally, I could tell you about my big, beautiful house and how awesome it is, but I just want to talk about the biggest room in my house right now. So the biggest room in my house, Taranjit and Bhavni, is the room for improvement. And so as long as that is always the biggest room in your house, that I think is on a path to great success. So understanding that, hey, it's not about all these outside things. It's about, hey, in order for things to change, I got to change. And it's a never ending journey of improvement. That's a great message to leave our listeners with. Where can listeners find you if they want to reach out to you or connect with you? Sure. So I've got two things. First one you can enjoy is for my bride and I, if if you're into weddings, you can see all 26 of our weddings at evanlovesusan.com. And if you scroll through all the weddings, we'll even at the, at the bottom of the website, we even have a place where you will give you a free hard copy, not a digital copy, but if, if you live in the lower 48 states, we'll give you a hard, free hard copy of our book called Happily Ever After. All we ask is that you cover a latte's worth of postage, but we'll give you a free hardcover copy of that book on Evan Love Susan, and you can see 26 weddings. And so that's one of our favorites. And then if you just want to get into like, oh, business and all this cool stuff that you do, you can check out evanmoney.com. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We love listening to your stories and you had a lot of great messages. Ladies, what a pleasure. Didn't know I was getting two for the price of one. This was fun. Would you ever hitchhike? Do you, hearing his story, like I understand back, you know, not too long ago. <laughs> back in the day. Back in the day. Like, <laughs> I feel like he's so old. But like <laughs> hitchhiking was a common thing, I feel like. But like, would you ever do it if you had to? I don't know if I'd feel com- I don't know if I would feel comfortable doing it. When you see hitchhikers nowadays, how many people are actually like, oh, yeah. I don't know if it's based on the area, too, because where we live, I feel like there's our area is known to have. Not like our where directly where we live, you know, like this neighboring city has drug addicts. So it's just I always look at the people and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But like as he was saying, if he uses his judgment to determine whether he should give this person a ride, does, are they dressed up? Well, because to- like if that is how like if he had gotten that ride, you know, exactly. But I also feel like people were more 
trusting back then as they are as opposed to now. I feel like people were more likely to say yes. Yeah. But of all things, a trash truck stopped to help him. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> I know. Which, I mean, I guess is cool in a way. He seemed like he really enjoyed it. And he was like, nah, man, like, pull up in front of the hotel. Show everyone. Even I'm the coming. trash truck. I was like, you want me to stop back here? He's <laughs> like, no. Let me. Ride it's like he's style. like riding in style. Coming in a limo or something. But he's, his ride is trash truck. And people are like, what is this trash truck doing in the front of the building? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. And then when he was talking about how the directions he got in Mexico, I was like, as he was explaining how <laughs> the these, only thing I could as think of. he was explaining how he got these directions, all I could picture was how our parents and our uncles and aunts how they it's give a directions. Very, I'm like, that's exactly the directions we get. <laughs> it's a <laughs> very thisy thing to do. Like, oh yeah, you see that? Okay, keep going, then you'll see this tree. Then make a right, and then you know, keep going until you see this sign or this like stump in the road. That's <laughs> whenever we would go on vacation stuff, especially when we went up to New York, and yeah. we didn't really use GPSs back then. It was, it was before like we started getting a car GPS, and then the phone started having GPS. So it was just like while we when we got to there neck of the woods <laughs> we're in your area so then they're like oh okay where are you and then you like say the road name and they're like uh and then you're like oh there's this this building here and they're like oh yeah yeah if you go oh like- yeah yeah but keep going straight and you'll eventually make it and like one time we went to canada they're like oh yeah yeah like you know keep going here and you're like whoa why do you end up on the trucking road Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> you you i don't know and then like okay you're here you'll see this thing no, no, and make no, a no. left I that time they were like, Oh, keep going and then they're like, How'd you end up there? It's like you guys told us to keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we kept going. We should have just DPS at that point. The problem with that is because we had to use the we didn't have enough data to use our phone GPS. We had to use the Garmin in our so like, car. And that doesn't really avoid tolls as easily as Google Maps does. So it was just like, we don't want to end up on the toll road. Yes, Ro- which we uh, did well, I was going to say root and road and just rude. <laughs> uh, toll root. On the toll road. But rude? Yeah, that's what I said. I was going to say the rude. rude tolls? How say dare root. you? Okay, I was trying to say, maybe I was going to say toll root, but then I was like, nah, toll road. So rude. So I'm Groot? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Now we got way off topic. But... So. And it sucks that he even, like, ended up, he didn't even find a great surf spot. But, like, no. did they end up in the spot that they were meant to end up in? Exactly. I think that's what happened. The spot that they wanted to go to, that they heard of, ended up there, and they're like, it wasn't as great, but then they found another spot. The fun is in, if you enjoyed it, what does it matter, right? As long as you made it back, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I like this summer temperatures, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> But we hope you enjoyed listening to Evan's crazy driving stories. And if you or anyone you know has any driving stories and would love to come on as a guest, you can fill out the interest form on our website at drivewithuspodcast.com. And stay tuned until the end for a sneak peek of next week's episode where we're joined by Kate Jetmore. And she talks to us about driving in the U.S. versus driving in Spain and the trauma she got from driving a manual up a hill. Thanks for driving with us. Love this episode of Drive With Us? Leave us a review on iTunes or Podchaser and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Drive With Us Podcast. And now, a sneak peek.
When I think of this story, it makes me just break out into a sweat. It's the kind of thing that you wouldn't you would not wish on your worst enemy, and you just hope and pray that it will never happen to you again.